Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning. Good to have you guys here this morning. Anything happened this week with you guys? Has there been any time where you were able to bless three people, uh, eat with some people and have something happen, have a time of listening to the Spirit or learning Christ or been able to journal? Anything that anyone would like to share? Don't leave me hanging here. Somebody, somebody did something somewhere, right? Okay, Dave. Dave can read to us. And here he comes. He's going to read to us. You know, we talk a lot about being still, and uh, sometimes God speaks to me when I'm still. It's called mover of my soul. Breathing in the breath you breathe, closer to you, Lord, I lean. I'm seeking you to find. I'm longing for your presence. Holy Spirit, breathe on me, closer into you, I lean. I'm seeking you to find. I'm longing for your presence. Oh, you're the mover of my soul. Come and breathe your breath on me. With the filling of your breath and Holy Spirit, move in my soul and make me whole. Renew my heart with love. Fill my lungs with praise. Healer of my heart and mover of my soul. Breath of life, come breathe on me. Fill my lungs with praise for thee. Draw close to me as I lean into your presence. Fill my life Move my very soul, heal and make me whole. I'm longing for your presence. Fill my lungs with the very breath of you. I return it back with praise. You're the lover of my heart, mover of my soul. Oh, you're the mover of my soul. Come and breathe your breath on me with the filling of your breath and Holy Spirit. Move in my soul and make me whole. Renew my heart with love, fill my lungs with praise, healer of my heart, mover of my soul. Thank you, Dave. It's wonderful to have God speak and minister to us, isn't it? It's refreshing. It helps us to be able to move on and move forward. I do have one other uh, tidbit of information for you guys. My son, Daniel, and my daughter-in-law, Lauren, had their baby this morning at 7 a.m., so I am a grandpa again. He does not have a name that we know of yet, um, so he was 6 pounds, 4 ounces, uh, 20 inches long, and he's adorable already. He's cute, so we're going to be taking off 
and going and kidnapping him as soon as we can uh, to hold him and hold them. And we are so excited. Um, we're texting back and forth. I got a text from him this morning saying, uh, you know, we're at the hospital. She went in labor at 10 o'clock. And I was like, oh, it's happening. We've been waiting. You know, it was due the 21st, but here he is. And so I believe she had a C-section because that was in one of the texts uh, that we're going. And then ta-da, he was born. And so we are excited about that and excited to go meet the guy. Well, this morning we're starting a new series. We are going to be looking at the Beatitudes and it's an invitation to life. This morning I'm going to be talking about SeaWorld, timeshare in Palm Springs, being stuck in traffic, sea dews on Clear Lake, Bob Dylan's song like a rolling and having babies since it's so fresh in my mind. So we are going to start in Matthew chapter 5. If you have a copy of the scriptures, open it up to Matthew chapter 5. We're just going to be looking at verses 1 through 3. And it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Lord, we ask that you would help us understand what this means. More than that, we ask that you would help us to understand what that means to us and how we live in relationship with you. And we set our hearts before you. Our minds are open to receive all that you have. We still the noises that are around us, God, so that your voice becomes prominent and important. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. There are times where maybe someone will speak something to you, maybe you'll watch a movie, and, and it affects you in a dramatic way, right? You see Braveheart and you just think, freedom, you just are moved, right? Or it might even change culture. Four years ago, there was a movie called Blackfish. Did anyone see that documentary, Blackfish? You guys, a few of you? Oh, man. Okay. It is about what happens at places like SeaWorld when they bring orcas and other animals in and start trying to train them, which, first of all, I think is amazing. Who thought that they could train a killer whale, right? You know, I got an idea. Let's go train this killer. I mean, someone thought that and made it happen. Just remarkable. But the treatment of these animals in these facilities was brought out in this documentary, Blackfish. And four years ago, it had a tremendous effect on SeaWorld so that they are still reeling from this. One of the things that happened is one of their trainers was killed in working with one of the animals, and so it brought out a lot of investigation and brought out a lot of research. $175 million later, four years, they are still trying to recover from this documentary that talked about the treatment of these animals that are confined into these little spaces and are literally going mad, and then it shows up in their behavior. And so here is something that you see it and it affects you. I haven't been to SeaWorld since, right? It's like, I can't go there. I can't support this, right? Same thing with Bambi, right? After Bambi, hunting went down because you can't kill Bambi's mom. You know, what's going on here? This is traumatic. It has an effect. And 
it's meant to have that effect. It's meant to change how you live and how things take place. And you see, Jesus's words here, they're not meant to just be a sermon like other sermons. He's not just trying to give us some things to help how we believe. He's really inviting us to live a different life. He's helping us to understand that it's more than what you understand. It is how you interact with the life around you. And just as Jesus was the message that he gave, more than just the words, he himself was that message. He is helping his disciples to become that message as well. And that means he's helping us to become the message that we too could be part of what it is God's doing. In his assisting the person whose soul is reaching out for God, he is helping them to understand what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom. What does that look like? It's not just something you think. It has got to be something you become. And how do you push into something so that it changes the world around you? That it affects life around you? And these qualities, these attributes, these things that Jesus is bringing out all go and they work together to try and reshape our souls so that we could be healthy, so that we can be integrated with who God is and what God is doing, so that it has an effect on our lives. Now, it says that as he went up to the mountainside to sit down, we see that he's going up and his disciples follow him. Here we see his disciples following him. At the end of chapter seven, we see that the multitudes were there listening to him. And so he goes up to the mountain and he brings everyone down to earth. And going up to the mountain is special significance, especially in the Hebrew culture. Throughout the Old Testament, the mountains were considered places where spirits dwell. It's the altars that they would build to pagan gods. And oftentimes in the kings and in Chronicles, you would see whether the kings would tear down those altars that were built on the mountaintops or not, because that was the place they would go to encounter spirits. And even in their own culture, mountains were significant. Mount Sinai, where Moses received the Ten Commandments. Elisha went to Mount Horab and was visited by God. And so mountains were something that were special. They were significant. They were sacred. We even have the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus went with his disciples and they saw him and his glory. Have you ever been to a sacred place where you just feel that this place is sacred? Something special is taking place here. It moves you because of maybe an event that happen. It could be the beach. Usually it's someplace that has a, a meaning that where you connected to it. Years ago, I took our family to Palm Springs to do one of those timeshares. This is the only way our family could do vacations back in the day, right? We had to take all of us down, put the kids in the room and say, don't leave for 90 minutes, right? Because we got to go listen to someone talk to us and try to sell us something. And so my wife and I'd be going there and we'd be like, okay, no smoke. Everything's good. The kids are okay. They did set fire once, um, but 
they put it out and there was just a little hole in the carpet. But that's another story. <laughs> that wasn't in Palm Springs. That was in Vegas. And so anyway, we went to this one place in Palm Springs and it was beautiful. We listened to our 90 minutes and then we got to enjoy the whole two days with the kids. And they had this beautiful pool. And one of the days we went outside and we we're just trying to find out something to do with four little kids. And there was this rocks all the way up. And there was this one rock that looked like Pride Rock from The Lion King. And so we took a hike, at least the boys and I. And Daniel was just a little guy then. And we had this bottle of water. It wasn't that big of a trek, but for a little guy it was. And we finally made it up to Pride Rock and we sat on it as if we were, you know, and I held Daniel over the rock like he was. I didn't. But anyway, it was just a lot of fun. Years later, when I was doing dog training, I was doing a lesson in Palm Springs and I started driving by and I came by and all of a sudden I saw, I go, oh, that's the timeshare. And I looked up and there was Pride Rock. And I started crying, right? It's like, oh, I remember the time with my children when they were wee little lads, you know, when they were just kids and I was able to take them up there. And that time was special to me. See, going up to the mountain, this is something that is a sacred moment. Jesus is bringing his disciples. He's bringing humanity into a sacred sacred space where we can understand God in a way that we never have before, that we can see more clearly than we ever have before. And so he goes up to the mountain because it is a sacred space. And again, this is not to give the disciples a message. It is to help them become the message. And isn't that what we want? We're not here just to learn things. We're here to become things. We're here to become people that God can use people that have a relationship with God, people who God speaks to and we write things down because he moves our soul and he changes our lives. And that's what we're looking for here. And it's important that we recognize because this now becomes a mount, but the mount is an altar. And that's originally what the word altar meant. It was a mount of dirt. And what was just normal now became special. Why? Because God showed up. God spoke. And he spoke to us. And Jesus is trying to lead them to a higher plane of life, to ascend to the sacred place. And he's trying to do that with us as well. Now, what do you think when you think of the word blessed? What do you guys think? Happy? What was that? Useful? Peaceful. Okay, sorry, my ears are going bad. Happy, peaceful, right? I mean, usually the idea of blessed is like a feel good, right? Kind of good fortune. I was so blessed I got that job, right? Oh, I was so blessed, you know, they gave me a phone call and wished me happy birthday, something like that, right? The idea of blessing, Again, the main thought in the Old Testament in the Hebrew was that of prosperity or fertility. 
It was about providing more, right? In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, it says, He will love you and bless you and increase your numbers. He will bless the fruit of your womb, the crops of your land, your grain, new wine and olive oil, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, and the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. You will be blessed more than any other people. None of your men or women will be childless. It's true for my son, nor will any of your livestock be without young. So the idea of blessing was fruitfulness. It was going to be fertile. It was going to grow. Your crops are going to grow. Your, your herds are going to grow. Your family's going to grow. And this was the idea of prospering. But that's not what Jesus had in mind. You see, all these things are linked to possessions. It's linked to circumstances. And this idea of being happy, of having joy, how do you deal with blessed are the, those who mourn, right? Joy, those who mourn. It's a little conflicting. And so he's trying to give us an understanding that's different. The blessing of Jesus is transcendent. They're not dependent on desirable circumstances. In fact, they come to those whose situations are unpleasant. They come to those who are mourning, those who are poor in spirit, those who are suffering persecution. These blessings aren't found in the wealth or the health or the prosperity. What Jesus puts before us is a heavenly state of mind that is existing in the midst of all the things that we go through in the midst of life and all that life can throw at us. If we find the essence of love and what is good and true, we discover there's hidden treasures there that hope actually is able to lodge itself within us even in times of darkness, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. And the blessings that Jesus is talking about are found in the kingdom of God wherever and however the kingdom of God reveals itself. And oftentimes, it reveals itself in our lives at times when we are low. At times when we are in need. They enable us to live in the world and beyond it at the same time so that the circumstances no longer dictate how we live, that there's something deeper and something more that's taking place. Have you ever been wronged by somebody? (laughs) A couple of murmurs there, right? (laughs) I take it that you have, right? What happens when someone who's wronged you is doing well? You see them and they post something on Instagram. Oh, got my new car. You know, oh, this is happening. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I have a battle that goes on with me. When someone who has wronged me does well, I like to talk to God about it, right? God, I just want you to be reasonable. (laughs) I just want you to, you know, understand what's going on here and what's happened to me as if he didn't know. And sometimes in that, I see 
God smiling at me as I smile at my kids or my grandkids sometimes. You know, when they ask, who do you love more? And I just smile at them. You don't, you don't understand. Love doesn't work that way. And you see, if God is smiling at someone, then I should be able to smile at them too. And these people who've wronged me, I see God still wanting to do good in their lives. And so I should want good in their lives too. And sometimes I just get stuck because all I see is the circumstances that have affected me. I was driving to one of my lessons out in Woodland Hills and it's about an hour and a half depending on traffic. But there's always traffic. It doesn't matter what time. There's always traffic. And so one of these times I was there and I was stuck in traffic and I was just, all you can see is the cars in front of you. That's it, right? This is my world right now. And you get a little anxious, or I do, and I'm just like, why is there traffic? You know, it's, it should be easy remedy. Just keep driving, right? Just don't stop. Just keep driving, and that would resolve traffic in my mind. You know, but if I had a different vantage point, if I could go up another 50 feet, I could actually see beyond the cars and see that maybe there's an road or that there is a stalled car, there was an accident. I'd be able to see more of what the problem is if I could just change my vantage point. But oftentimes my vantage point is just so confined to circumstances, to feelings and emotions, that the idea of blessing is not able to penetrate because my circumstances don't allow it. But my perception is just so limited. It's the car in front of me. It's the red lights in front of me. And all these things are telling me, this isn't right. It's not good. The person who wronged me, how can they be doing good? And I don't understand that blessing is beyond these things. That it's transcendent and it's more than these things. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And then the understanding of what is poor in spirit. The word poor by definition means a lack. How can a lack of something be something that we take joy in? How can a lack of something be something that is fulfilling? And the contradiction is intentional. You see, I think when God looks at someone who is poor in whatever way, could be poor financially, could be poor emotionally, could be poor in whatever way. When God looks at someone who's poor in any way, it's not like he feels good about it. I'm glad you're poor. I'm glad you're lacking this. But I do think that the state of poverty provides opportunity for something to fill the lack that is there. And, and so when there is a poverty of spirit, it's saying that there is a recognition of missing something. And the recognition of missing something enables the desire for something to fill that. And I've got to tell you, there has never been a day that I don't think I haven't been poor in spirit. There isn't a day where I say, hey, I'm no longer poor in spirit. I got it all. There's never been a day. And as 
depressing as that might seem, it's actually very motivating. You see, when I'm very hungry, it happens a lot. I find a way to fill the lack and feed myself. The problem is when I don't know that I lack. When I don't know there's something missing in my relationship with God, I do not try to satisfy it and it stays empty. And so blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Because they know something is not right. And I will not be satisfied until it is. And it drives me to my knees and it moves my soul because there's a hunger I have to fill that only God can fill. And so the poverty of spirit is a blessing if it brings us to this place of opportunity to see things that are right. You know, the opposite of poor in spirit would be a wealthy spirit, right? And what does that look like? You know, what is a wealthy spirit? Jesus was tempted in the wilderness in the previous chapter. And remember, Satan showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, all this is yours if you'll just bow down to me. And he didn't. He entrusted himself to God. He chose care over control. You see, he didn't want to be owner of all. He wanted to be savior of all. And so it was a different attitude that he had as he moved out of that temptation and brings us this understanding of poverty of spirit. You see, they are bent on doing whatever can supply or acquire or get. That would be a wealth of spirit. That would be having all your needs and wants met and not needing anything And that's a dangerous place. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. See, when I don't need anything, I I close that heart and the awareness to what God can give. And pretty soon my self-sufficiency is ruling things. And I'm asking the wrong questions. Years ago, we went on vacation up to Clear Lake, and I was so excited because I borrowed two jet skis from a friend of mine. And I thought, this is going to be a great vacation. For a whole week, we're going to get these two jet skis. And we were talking about it the whole time, the kids. And so we got there at the lake. First things, we're still unloading, but we're putting the jet skis in first, right? We're going to make the most of these things. We get them in the water, and we start them and explain to the kids, okay, this is how it works. we got to do this. And two of my boys got on, they were going to go first, and they were all excited, and we were all excited, and gave them the instructions, this, this, and this, and Kareen, you know, being the mom, says, oh, did you tell them, you know, all the right things? Oh, yeah, I told them, they're fine, you know, come on, mom, quit being such a mom, and so they're driving off, and we hear them, you hear the jet skis running, going on, and we're packing and unloading thing, and all of a sudden, we hear, and then the jet skis stop, and they're like, oh, no. And go out there and we see them and they're sinking. And so we get in the boat and we go out to the jet skis. And what happened is one of my sons wanted to make a wake in front of the other one so that he could jump it, but he wasn't quite far enough ahead. And so he crashed right into it. 
And so we go there and I can see they're okay, but I can see the jet skis aren't. My friend's jet skis who I borrowed. And so I go up there and I go, what did you do? First question out of my mouth. My cousin's husband wasn't a follower of Christ. His first question was, are you okay? And it cut my heart. I mean, I knew they were okay, but they didn't know I knew. See, I was asking the wrong question. I was concerned about the jet skis that were totaled, by the way. (laughs) First day, first hour. You see, the whole vacation, all these jet skis. But they don't light a candle to my son. They don't mean anything in comparison to them. You see, that's what's of value. You see, that's what means something. And sometimes we, we lose sight of what's important and poverty of spirit keeps us in the right understanding. It keeps us thinking straight. When we lack something, we are usually looking for a way to fill that emptiness And when it comes to God, poor in spirit isn't something I really have to work at. It's more it's something I have to accept and understand. And sometimes I have to peel off the pretentious attitude of pretending I've got it all together. Right? No, it's okay. I've got it. Me and God, we're like this. Yeah, everything's good. It's not always good. Sometimes I do not hear his voice. Sometimes he feels so, so far away. And at that time, Jesus is saying, congratulations. It's a good place for you. You're blessed. Because there is the lack and the recognition of it. And if we don't recognize those things, if we're unwilling to step into that, then we're in danger of becoming rigid and not being able to change. I saw a documentary recently on Bob Dylan. It's called No No Way Home. And it's great if you like Bob Dylan because it's going through his whole development and all the protest songs. I mean, I didn't know that he actually played at the Million Man March when Martin Luther King gave his speech, I Have a Dream. Did you guys know that Bob Dylan sang The Answer is Blowing in the Wind at that place? Him and Joan Baez. I didn't know that. There he was singing, right? I was like, man, that's amazing. And it just trans, you know, tried to follow his steps in there. But there was a time when all his songs were kind of these political protest songs. And then he picked up an electric guitar and something happens when you pick up an electric guitar and the people stopped liking him. They started booing him because he changed what he was doing. And one of the first songs he wrote on electric guitar was like a Rolling Stone which is one of my favorite songs, right? It's like, that is a great song. But because people didn't want to change where they were and what they liked, they wouldn't receive what he was doing, even though it was a great song. Sometimes I think we're like that. I just don't want to get out of what's comfortable. I want to stay in this place. And the recognition of things being lacking in my life forces me to do something different or to do something more because maybe what I'm doing isn't enough. But the idea of doing more is scary. 
The idea of doing more is going to invade on what it is I want to do. I like these old songs. There's some good songs. Blowing in the wind's a great song. But you see, you're never going to get like a rolling stone unless you pick up the guitar and make the change. You're never going to get to what God has for you unless you leave the place of comfort. You take off the masks and step into the reality of poverty of spirit that forces growth, forces change, that pushes us forward. There's a potential found in poverty of spirit, the potential for our hearts to be open, allow God's grace to pour in, for looking for the kingdom of God to show up around us. Because I'll never be the perfect Christian. I will never be the perfect husband. I will never be the perfect father. I will always need room for improvement in all of these areas. And you know what? I'm okay with that now. There was a time where I had to put up a facade and pretend. I just can't pretend anymore. I don't want to pretend anymore. You know, sometimes I'm just screwed up in my thinking. I'm selfish. And I say screwed up on a Sunday morning in church and and things like that. And people are like, can you say that at church? I just did. Um, The kingdom of heaven, it's not far. Even when I feel far. And sometimes it's not something I have to work towards. It's something I have to just change my perception and recognize. Poor in spirit is linked to repentance. It's linked to redemption. The paradox is the closer I get to God, the more clearly I see my poverty. That's just the truth. The more I see who God is, the more I recognize how much I'm not like him. But that's not frustrating. Jesus says, no, that's good. Because now you're seeing clearly. And now something good can take place in you. When you see things clearly. You know, I can't express how I feel about my son having a son. Same thing happened when my son Jordan had Judah. There, there is this overwhelming feeling. And I always wondered, you know, about being a grandparent. And it is different. And I think it's different because of hindsight. I, I think it's different because you've gone through and you've raised your children. And now you get to see them have that. And, and why it's so special is because of how special it was to us. But it wasn't just easy. It's the most difficult thing we've ever done is raising children. It has cost the color of my hair. It has cost my hair. It has cost age. It has cost me years of my life, I'm sure. I have never gone through the terror that I've gone through. My worst moments have been in dealing with some of the circumstances with my children. Most frightening moments. The things that I I just would not wish on an enemy. 
going and picking up your child from a psychiatric ward. I do not wish that on anybody. It's a nightmare. It still grips my heart. It, it, it crushes me. But it can't compare with the love that is there. I have not known what love is until I've had to give myself away. And you see, this has changed the definition of love for me, where love used to be about this feeling and and us getting along and us really caring for each other and feeling good about each other. Now I've learned what sacrifice means and what it looks like and how it changes me to be a less selfish person, how it to be a more caring person, how it moves me out of myself into a bigger place. And now I actually love more and care more and become more because of it. And so when I see him having a son, all these things flash in my mind. And I pray that kid is the best kid. And I'm sure he's going to be, he will never do wrong. At least not in my sight, right? But when he does, Pray that my son and my daughter-in-law grow, that they learn to love like they never knew what love was before, that it will change who they are and make them more like Jesus because that's what I want for them. That's what I want for me. And the only way there is through poverty of spirit. And this is the door. The Beatitudes are a gateway to the Sermon on the Mount. They're the gateway to the teachings of Jesus. They're the gateway to our spiritual walk and our spiritual journey. Poor in spirit is like a spiritual reset button that it just has to happen constantly in my life, constantly in your life. How are you doing? I'm doing terrible. Boom. You're poor in spirit, aren't you? And then Jesus is right there. and He says, congratulations. You are blessed. You might say, I don't feel blessed. And he goes, no, you're right where you need to be. You're right where things can now happen. You're right where you are open to receive the grace, the mercy, the love that I have for you. We can always come back to it and let Jesus do his work, his healing us, his reviving us, his refreshing our souls in his grace. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we'll talk a little bit more about what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Let's pray. Lord, life is so complicated. There are so many things that we wrestle with. Attitudes that we have, things that we believe that can get in the way of who we want to be and who you want us to be. And Lord, it keeps coming back to this place where we need you. We need what you have for us. We need to recognize that we do not have 
what is necessary to live the lives that we want. And it is in that place that you show up. It is in that place that you embrace us. It is in this place that you call us sons and daughters. So, Father, right now I pray for all those who are here this morning. I pray that we would find a poverty of spirit, Lord, that would bring us before you, that would help us to peel off the masks and anything that is pretend, any glimmer of hypocrisy that starts to show up and present itself as healthy, it is a physician. Lord, may we be genuine before you and know that as we are, we find grace. As we are, we find your love. As we are, we hear your words blessed. Lord, might we recognize what it is to be blessed this morning. May it move us to tears. May it move us to Repentance, may it move us to you so that we can be more like you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. We offer ourselves in all of our poverty to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. May you understand what blessing really is. That blessing isn't something you work to receive. It isn't something you can attain. It is something that is available to you right now, right where you are. May you understand that blessed are the poor in spirit. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God bless you guys. Have a tremendous week. See you later. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.